I'm Dr. Molly Ness, host of the End Book Deserts podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Let's think about how does that reflect upon our te- on, our, on our profession? And I think it's easy to just maybe look up to those, those types of accounts because they've had so many followers or right. whatever it might be. But really thinking about you are reflecting what you're liking, what you're replying to, what you're retweeting or what you're sharing on your story. And how does that relate to you and your, your moral compass as a teacher? Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. You know, during my 12-year teaching career, it seemed like there was always something throwing off my lesson plans, mindset, or goals. And when I began to burn out and tried to talk about it, all I heard was join the club, go for a walk, have a glass or three of wine. This is just the way it is. The current challenges you're facing, distance learning, new technologies, higher expectations, discipline issues, a personal crisis, a global pandemic, All of these challenges make your everyday life seem unmanageable. Until now. Teacher Burnout has been hacked and the book is here. In Hacking Teacher Burnout, I share my eight-step process that shines a light on burnout as an opportunity for growth and change. And in it, I empower you to become burned in. A fulfilled, happy, efficient, and effective teacher in the classroom and in life. You'll learn the steps you can take to take action steps based on your burnout type. Feel ready for the next challenge. Thrive, not just survive, personally and professionally. Feel ready for and learn how to grow through your burnout and so much more. Hacking Teacher Burnout is here and ready for you to order on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. So go check it out or go to hackingteacherburnout.com to learn more and place a bulk order for your staff. Take a deep breath because you're about ready to do something big for your burnout. Burn on. Hey there, Burned In Teachers. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 81 of the Burned In Teacher Podcast. One part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. I'm your host, Amber Harper. And I empower burned-out teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career and life with my eight-step burned-in process. This episode, let me tell you something. I recorded this interview with Dr. Fesich at the end of February. This is the last of that series of interviews that I did before COVID-19 took over our lives and our schools. And I am telling you what. This episode is perfectly placed for what we are dealing with today. And that's what I think is so powerful about these interviews that I have, that I had recorded back in February that I am now sharing with you now. This interview is so relevant to what we're seeing on social media today. I mean, this is the perfect add-on to last week's 
interview that I shared with you with Aaron and Dave Tashian about being mindful. You know, we talked in our interview that I shared with you about how to be mindful at home, how to be mindful in your classroom, how to set your students up to be mindful. And this is another great way to be mindful. We're going to talk in this interview about social media. I mean, she's going to share her story of burnout and her journey and what took her to be working with pre-service teachers. But I love where our conversation goes in terms of talking about our teacher brand in the form of how we show our values on social media. This is especially important to me right now because of how much I see online in terms of negativity, martyrdom, and the lack of really thinking deeply about how you're showing up virtually on social media. Now, this does not apply to everybody's posts. I see a lot of empowering posts. I see a lot of positive posts. I do see a lot of real posts where people are just talking about how hard it is. But there are some social media posts out there that I'm seeing, either on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, that I'm thinking they clearly are not being mindful of what they want for themselves in the future. You know, what you put out there in the world is what you're going to get into your world. It's what you're going to let into your life, into your mind, into your heart. And honestly, I think truly if we are people who are taking action, if we're not happy in the school that we are in, you know, we're not going to be teaching in quarantine forever. We're not going to be teaching virtually and hybrid forever. And for those of us teachers that want to take steps out of burnout by, you know, moving to a new school or a new district or a new job in general, People check your social media accounts. So in this episode, you're going to hear Dr. Fesich share her experience with burnout as a special education teacher and how she went from working with middle schoolers to pre-service teachers in higher education. We discuss the importance of sharing your voice, getting connected, seeking positive influences, and being conscious of the teacher brand you build for yourself with your online presence. This is a burned and over it episode for teachers who need to think about their teacher brand, especially online, and may need a safe, less public place to share their voice if they don't feel that they're being heard in the immediate environment. I would also say this is for stages zero, one, or two. Let's dive in. All right, Burned In Teachers, I have with me today a fellow Education Podcast Network podcaster, Dr. Sam Fesich. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Burned In Teacher Podcast. Thanks, Amber. The pleasure is all mine. I'm super excited to be here today. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. So I'm really, really excited that you're here because you work with pre-service teachers. I'm going to ask you to share about the message that you share with them. But first of all, share with us a little bit about your background in education and what it is that you do now? Yeah, I'd be happy to. <clears throat> Maybe we'll cut that out. <laughs> so yeah, so I'd be happy to. Um, first, I was a special ed teacher and I taught students with multiple disabilities and it was a fantastic job. I enjoyed it so much and I kind of fell into ed tech a little bit backwards. I found um, a smart board in the closet that nobody was using. So I used it with my students and it was so much fun to see 
the excitement and the curiosity kind of light up their eyes a little bit and find what they're capable of with technology. Mm -hmm. And that led into a career of learning more about ed tech. And once you start going down the ed tech uh, rabbit trail, you find yourself uh, teaching future teachers one day. <laughs> um, but along the way, you make stops and you um, teach teachers and then you get a degree and some certification and a PhD under your belt. And then you teach those future teachers all about ed tech. And that's what I'm doing today. So I am, I've taught for about six years in higher ed and I get the honor to teach future teachers all about educational technology and special education. And I get to oversee a couple of our student teachers as well. It is so much fun. It is the best job on the planet, and what's better than giving back to the greatest profession on the planet, which is teaching and preparing those future teachers? I'm so excited. You, I think you are one of the first higher ed um, educators here on the podcast, oh, wow. and I have so many questions for you <laughs> about what it looks like, because I can only speak to my experience in college and what I have heard from other pre-service teachers or teachers who have just joined the profession as, you know, having their own classroom as a first through, you know, third year teacher. Um, so tell me a little bit about the differences between teaching in higher ed and teaching um, at the level and help me remember what grade levels were you? Yeah, so I was special education. Um, I taught right. in a uh, um, separate classroom for students with multiple disabilities. So they were okay. middle school age. A lot of them were nonverbal um, in wheelchairs, had personal care aides. We had some days we had more adults than kids in the room. Uh, but it was a great, it was a truly a great experience. And I, I think the differences in teaching higher ed and K to 12. I think the foundational pieces of relationships should definitely be present no matter what class you're teaching, K through higher ed or pre-K through higher ed. Mm -hmm. And building those relationships from day one is critical. I think getting to know those, getting to know your students as people outside of the classroom and connecting with them, checking in on them, making sure they are seen and heard in that classroom, whether it's an online space or a face-to-face, -face, can really help bring that content home for them. So whenever you make those connections and make those relationships come first, that content will come second. And I think having that that day one. So whenever I, I start my first class, I'm usually uh, the first class uh, freshmen have uh, their wow. their first semester freshman year. I'm an eight o'clock Monday morning professor. I'm ready <laughs> to go. Um, we don't talk about the syllabus until day three. We get to know each other. We do. Um, we have a Spotify playlist that we add to. We do um, strengths and weaknesses. We talk about Flipgrid. We use all sorts of technology tools to help build those relationships between each other and make those connections because um, I think oftentimes we can find that we're more alike than different and having them be able to learn from each other and then learn from me as well. So I think it's a lot of fun investing in people first. And then, um, I don't think my college class is a very typical college class. It's not a lot of lecture and sit and get. Usually for my ed tech course, I'll probably talk for 15 minutes and do some demo and then the time is theirs to work on projects. And I try really hard to make it authentic for them. Mm -hmm. So they're paired up with teachers from around the world in their content area in which they want to teach one day. And for the class, they create content for that teacher to use in their classroom. So now it's just not like whenever I went to college, it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was create a lesson plan about 
you know, this standard or whatever it might be. And you know, I might not use that. I don't think I used anything during my teaching career that I created in college. Um, but now they're creating material that can be used in, with a real teacher in a real classroom with real students. And that's the authenticity there. Um, and then teaching in K to 12, you want your experiences and your learning experiences to have that authenticity behind it, not just have that busy work. You want to have purpose behind it. So oh, yes. I think those two things are similar. It's so refreshing to hear a college professor talk about building relationships with students because, <laughs> and it's no different for a principal building relationships with his or her uh, teachers that he, you know, is in charge of at the school. I mean, re relationships are everything. And especially if you're a burned and over it teacher listening to this episode, listen to what Dr. Fessage is saying. She's so right. It starts with relationships. So so help us to understand then, what is a time, I would love for you to share um, a time that you have struggled with burnout yourself, um, either during your K-12 days or even in your higher ed days. Yes. So I think burnout came out whenever I was a third or fourth year, I might've been a fourth year teacher and I was working with uh, practicing teachers. I was doing a lot more with the practicing teachers, integrating technology into their classrooms, helping them think about how technology can help engage and motivate students. Mm -hmm. And I found like doing some trainings and things like that. Some people were really excited about, you have those early adopters like, yeah, let's do this tomorrow or yesterday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you have the some people are like, this is just a fad. We're not going to use this ever. I'm just sitting here, you know, so I can get my Act 48 hours or whatever my professional development hours are. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really decided, okay, where can I go that I can still impact students, but with a excited, engaged not jaded audience mm -hmm. um, and it was with aspiring educators they come in with a with a fire in their bellies ready to impact that in the world and i think we can all remember our first year teaching i'm gonna change the world oh uh, girl yes maybe we change one student and that's uh -huh. great and that yeah. and in some cases we are the world to that student and our students should be the world to us so in a in a way we do change the world but having I needed to find somewhere where I was making a difference and I was valued and I'm, I'm making a difference here with aspiring teachers, with students I will never see through the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I had to find somewhere where I was, yeah, just making a difference and feeling valued. If you don't mind me asking to go a little bit deeper and what made you, I mean, obviously you had, you know, the early adopters, the mushy middle, and then the resistors, <laughs> the right? Middle. In every professional development, there are all of those, right? I mean, it's yes. no different. Again, it's, it's so similar to work with adults in a learning environment. I know, um, right? It's very similar to, you know, working with a class of first graders like I did or third graders, you know, it's, you have all of the above, you know, relationships first, everything. But can you sort of um, dig a little deeper or help us to understand why you didn't feel valued? Was it just in those professional development um, areas or, or times? Or were there other things that had happened repeatedly? Because one thing in and B, begin where you are. Um, we talk about, you know, how long were you feeling this way? What changes had happened? When did, you know, when did all of this start? Um, and this was your third year teaching. So mm -hmm. how long were you, you know, what were you feeling? What were you experiencing? And how long was this going on? Sure. So whenever you started talking through how long does this, how long has this happened? When did it happen? I would have to say it began. So I used to go in and I, um, 
co-taught in a way um, using ed, ed tech and sometimes I would be there to model for the teachers other times um, they would take it on themselves and I just kind of take a back seat make sure nothing you know blew up <laughs> so to speak um, but it became feel I began to feel not valued whenever people would either cancel their sessions or they're like oh you teach I'm gonna just sit back here and grade Mm, um, yeah. So I think after those things started to happen uh, repeatedly uh, with some of the similar same people, I began to feel, well, what's the purpose here? Um, an administration needed to have a little bit more buy-in there, maybe make a couple of things um, mandatory or something like that. But at the time, we weren't ready for that as a school. Mm -hmm. And I think if there was more support from the administration, more buy-in from the teachers as to what the role was specifically and how to uh, best support them in their journey for using ed tech, I think it would have maybe have had a different outcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what was your um, plan of action? What, what did you do? Yeah. yeah, so I got a degree. I went back to school and I taught, I taught and then I went back to school at night online and I found a rekindled passion for using ed tech in ways that I never thought of before. Mm -hmm. And for some of the teachers that were really excited about using ed tech, I was able to implement what I was learning in my master's courses and pulling that right into the classroom right away. So that direct application, it was so powerful. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, this is kind of cool. And then they're like, well, you know, you can roll this certification into a master's like that's cool. I'll, I'll do that. And then like, well, you know, you can roll that into a PhD. <laughs> and by the way, we have an assistantship. I'm like, let's sign me up for that. That sounds wow. amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Isn't so it great? It awesome. Like it, it reminds me, you telling that story, it reminds me of me finding Google certified educator. And I know that that's not, I mean, in essence, comparable to a doctorate. However, <laughs> the reignition or the finding of that passion or the finding of that thing that ignites you, it changes everything. And it, it doesn't really have does. to be ed tech. It can be anything. Maybe you just find yourself to love teaching writing. And maybe that's the thing that you need to focus on as bringing positivity back into your life or your classroom. Um, whatever it is for you, but you have to find something and pay attention, right? Right. Absolutely. So um, whenever you became then a, uh, got your doctorate, got your master's, what was the amount of time between where you, um, where you made the decision to go ahead and, and get your licensure and then roll that into a, a master's? And just then keep PhD? rolling. Yeah. yeah, just keep rolling. I love it. I love it. You have like, are you going to have so many degrees? What is it that they say? I have so many degrees. I'm a thermometer. <laughs> Never heard that, but that's awesome. But I think that should be like a quote. <laughs> it is actually. It's something like it's just like it. a funny pun. But um, what was the time frame there? So yeah, so it was like four um, years. So okay. it, I was in my last. I guess it would be my last year of teaching full time, my fourth year, and then I went right into getting my graduate degree and that mm -hmm. or my PhD, and that took three years. So I'm like, I'm gonna get this done in three years. We're gonna move. We're gonna do this in three years, and we're out of here. My husband's like, yes. So, yeah. I mean, we didn't have kids, and so we were able to just move and, and go and, and just immerse myself in that. Luckily, his job transferred, and that worked out really well. Wow. I was able just to 
hone in on that passion area. And I was able to bring my passion for special education and ed tech together uh, for my dissertation. It was beautiful. And having the support of family, I couldn't have done it without them. So that was going to be my next question. So who did you have in your life to support you? You know, who were your top five that kept you going? Because this has, this is challenging going. It is. (laughs) And I got my master's when our girls were younger. Um, Avery was my goodness too. And Hannah was nine. And it was difficult to balance all of that. You have to have a really strong support system. Yes. So I would have to say, number one, be my husband. He was always the, the constant there, whether things were going really great or mm-hmm. have a class that was a little iffy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, working through uh, data collection, things like that. He was always such a phenomenal support person, mm-hmm. encouragement. Um, and then we had, <laughs> we had a cohort that we kind of went through together. There were um, probably about six of us, but we all were in the same classes together. So we had Google Docs where we would do uh, group notes. So we, just in case, you know, those three-hour classes where you kind of zone out, mm-hmm. <laughs> someone, so hopefully someone got the notes and we were able to come together and have study groups and um, and just have fun. We would have Friday feast and we'd bring everybody in from the cohort. We'd all, you know, um, have a dinner at somebody else's house. So having that social support there. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, uh, my parents, um, uh, they, my dad always said, uh, Sammy, God didn't put you on the earth to, or God, God put you on the earth to do something great. And this is something great that you're doing. And I always, you know, kept that with me. And I love that. I love that phrase. And I hope everyone else, you know, feels that in no matter what area of teaching that you're doing, that you are doing something great and you are here for a purpose. And I think that's super cool. Um, and I just, I just love how, how he, how that kind of carried me through the, those rough times, you know, cause I think a PhD, I, I heard someone say a PhD is the best thing you'll never do again. And I totally <laughs> agree. Right. I was like, yes, that is so true. You know, you better love your dissertation topic or else you're going to be super bored. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so interesting to hear you say that. So, you know, in the spirit of, you know, burned in teacher and the, in the podcast purpose, you know, I asked you to think about three things that you wanted to share. And even just talking with you, you know, you and I are in the education podcast network together. Yes. Um, and I'm going to ask you to talk about your podcast here in a moment, but the th- I just feel like I understand your teacher brand so well, you know, relationships. Really? Yes, absolutely. It's a struggle. <laughs> no, uh, well, some, some days are a struggle. It's just, yeah. you know, life, right? <laughs> But just talking to you and hearing about how you value relationships so much and you really are invested in your students, whether they be your special needs students that you taught or your, um, your higher ed students, your college freshmen. But tell me a little bit about how it is that you, um, that you share the fact that you believe that future teachers have a voice. Tell, yes. me, tell me about that and, and your philosophy and how it is that you bring that into your work. Oh, I'd be happy to. Yeah. So a freshman year, we have our students, um, well, I have my students uh, come in to, to a class where we talk about social media. And sometimes uh, students come in with the mindset oh, of, I don't need this, or uh, that might be good whenever I look, I'm looking for a job. Or maybe I have students like, I have a social media account and it's amazing. So I have like all the the whole spectrum of feelings about social media and digital presence. So before they come to class, I have them Google themselves. And I have the, and this sounds really weird when you say it out loud, Google yourself. (laughs) But anyway. Who hasn't Googled themselves? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, so I have them Google themselves and I have them come to class to share those results. What came up on their web, news, images, video, and all that stuff. And for some of them, they, uh, they come in, nothing was set, not, I didn't have anything out there about me, and that's great. 
I'm like, really? Is it? Let's think about that. And then I have someone out there who's like, oh, I might have a picture out there that's not so, as Amanda Jean Reichardt says, savory about me. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let's work on that. And then I have people in the middle that might have stuff like maybe Dean's List or some stuff with athletics or honor roll from high school, things like that. Okay. So we have a sprinkling of, of mixes here. Mm-hmm. And so we come in and we address all those areas. So for my friends that have nothing out there about them, nothing out there about them. I ask them all the same question. If you were an employer, if you were a principal of a school and, and this person Googled you and nothing came up about you or a, cu- a couple of things came up about Dean's List and on a roll or maybe that weird picture of you with a red solo cup, would you hire yourself? And that makes them stop and think, wait a minute, I'm no longer as a student here. I, I need to think like a teacher. What What's going to set me apart from other candidates? And it's always social media and that positive, powerful digital presence. It needs to be positive. It needs to be powerful. It needs to be professional. So I tell them, we're going to start building that here from day one, your freshman year. For some, their sophomore, like a sprinkling of juniors and one seat. There's always one senior in that class, <laughs> but we're going to start your freshman year and it's up to you to keep it updated. So whenever your student teaching, you're looking for a job, it's super easy because people have already found stuff about you. You've been posting throughout your four years. And I'm not saying post every day on the hour. I'm saying post every once in a while, share what you're doing and learning. And for the students that have done so, and they've really owned that, it's been a game changer for them. I've had um, a teacher candidate, and I talk about this in the book where she shares Okay, Sam, or Dr. Festus, you're not, she's now, we're not on a first name basis, sorry. (laughs) She's like, Dr. Festus, you're not going to like, get me to like Twitter. It'll be a miracle if you do. And so she took the class the summer before her senior year. And during her senior year, she's like, oh, okay, I'll dabble a little bit and I'll post here and there. But you know, it's not going to be anything, anything that's going to make a difference. Well, we found later at the end of her senior year, she uh, was able to connect with a um, with uh, Techie Margaret from Northern Virginia, and she's mm-hmm. just as a fantastic Nova chat. But anyway, so she's able to connect with her and find uh, find about some placements that might be coming up. She's able to interview, and at the end of her um, uh, job interview season, she had her choice of six uh, placements. So her choice as a first year teacher of wow. six placements. And now um, this this wonderful young lady is now a co-moderator of NT2T. And she's just a fantastic <laughs> teacher. And I'm like, girl, look at that. See, it pays to be connected. And <laughs> like, that's not the only example. Like there's so many um, administrators that say, you know what, Sam, I've had um, inter- I've had um, interviews where it's only down to two candidates and then I Google them. And then this person that I see stuff about that they've been posting um, even this past week or this past month, I'm able to engage in conversation. And then there's someone who doesn't have anything. That's kind of weird this, nowadays. What are you hiding? You know. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we start as freshmen, as future teachers, because you are a professional educator. You have voice, you have value to offer this field. And, and current teachers, practicing teachers, administrators, they all want to learn from you. So you got stuff to share. You have a voice and you have value. So share it far and wide. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you already elaborated on the other things that we were going to talk about. And I think that's so, so important. You know, my husband is an elementary school principal and you better believe that he Googles <laughs> applicants. He just yes. does. Or he, you know, he'll get on Facebook, you know, just to see, you know, what is this person like? And Sam, honestly, you know, like I said, face to face, I've, you and I have never talked face to face before, but 
I know so much about you. I feel just by about your brand at least and what type of person you are and what your core values are just by talking with you. You can equally see those things by pictures and videos or even things that you repost. You know, yes. so I think it's so important and I'm going to go back to this. I think this is a great episode for burned and over it teachers, because if you want, if you're feeling over it and negative and apathetic and frustrated, and that is what you project onto your mm. social media. And that's what, those are the things that you're filling your mind with. You're going to get nothing more than that. That's what you're nice. going to stay stuck in. So when you say get connected, I think it's really important also to maybe talk about how important it is to get connected to those top five, you know, those people that are going to influence you the most and carry you through the hard times when they happen. Absolutely. I think you are who you follow. I think, um, who says that? Rachel, Rachel Hollis may say something along the lines of you're like, the combination of the top of the five people you interact with most. And well, I Jim Rohn. Yeah. Oh, Jim Rohn. <laughs> well, it's, it's really just, it's, it should be common knowledge that you are the average of the five people you hang around Thank with you. most. So that's, that's yeah. So that's a Jim Rohn quote, but who knows if he quoted it from somebody else, but yeah, people like Rachel Hollis will, would definitely repost something like that or say something like that. Yeah. And I think it's the same with social media. You need to have those people in your PLN that are going to lift you up, encourage you, challenge you to be the teacher that your students deserve and not just stay complacent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. And, you know, it's interesting because as somebody who does post a lot to social media, you know, about my values as, you know, as burned in teacher and um, the teachers that I'm helping and helping teachers to see a different way of perceiving the profession and mm. talking about the profession, you know, changing the way that we think, feel, believe, and do our, our daily work. I see a lot of really popular platforms out there that are not posting things that are going to be reflective of a positive teacher brand. Do you see that as well? Yeah. And I think, I think that's really interesting that you bring that up. There's um, a hashtag that I follow. I think it's, um, teachers of Instagram or something like that. And sometimes their content's really good. Other times it's not positive for the profession. And I think a lot of our future teachers are on that Instagram and on that Instagram, I sound so old, on Instagram, <laughs> on the gram, on the gram um, <laughs> and they're posting, but you know, and these things can be funny, but let's think about how does that reflect upon our, te on, our on our profession. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's easy to just, um, maybe look up to those, those types of accounts because they've had so many followers or right. whatever it might be. But really thinking about you are reflecting what you're liking, what you're replying to, what you're retweeting or what you're sharing on your story. And how does that relate to you and your, your moral compass as a teacher? Right, right. And especially on those bad days when mm. you want to agree with, yes. with the negative memes or, you know, the yeah. negative post when you want to. I mean, honestly, what's really interesting about this conversation as well is there's a difference between showing vulnerability and just oversharing, <laughs> you know, yes. like <laughs> there's a difference between what you should post on social media and what you just need to keep to yourself. 
Right. And I think that, you know, that comes down to your personal top five. Like you should have somebody in your personal life or even I have, you know, I have people that I've never met in real life. Gretchen Bridgers, who's part of the EPN. Yes. She and I talk on Marco Polo almost every day. She would definitely be somebody that I would go to if I was having a bad day, but she would know that I would not, that would not be normal for me, you know, but if you only go to social media, Mm -hmm. when you're frustrated, when you're ticked off, when life is hard. And we are all going to have those days, no matter what profession you're in, that you just need to be careful with thinking that I'm I'm being vulnerable here. I'm, I'm sharing how I feel. Yes. However, if you go back, you know, in a couple of days and look at that, are you going to feel ashamed or are you going to feel like you've empowered people to think differently and, you know, in a positive way or in, we don't always have to be sunshine and roses either. Right. Right. I mean, let's be realistic here, but we want to make sure that we're projecting a brand that shows that when things are hard, this is what I'm doing about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, this happened. Therefore I'm doing this, you know, create a conversation around it. And, and social media is a great place to start a social conversation about something. Right. And I think I have, my husband, Josh says something really interesting. If I'm like stressing about something or I'm worried about the way something's going to turn out that, you know, you don't have anything, any control over, but you still worry anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he always says, Sam, are you going to be thinking about this in five days or five weeks? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He is all about that perspective. I'm like, oh, probably not. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not it's gonna so good to have somebody days. like that in your life, right? Yeah, that just kind of like yes. brings you down. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, not in a bad way, but like, no, like, I totally... <laughs> Luckily, we were dating while I was student teaching, and I did uh, this unit for the Wizard of Oz, and I'm like, Josh, I'm going to turn the whole classroom into Emerald City, and I'm going to have decorations, and I'm going to do all these things. And he goes, Sam, you have three days to plan this. Are you really going to, like, well... I could decorate a green chair and make it a throne room and I can get balloons. That's there what I go. can do. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. bring it into perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so good. So I have a question for you working with pre-service teachers. Yes. Do you ever witness any of your students going through burnout themselves? Ooh, that's a good question. I think, well, I work with a lot of freshmen and sometimes when they come into um, as an education major, uh, they might feel called to be a secondary teacher or a middle school teacher, but then as they get experience in those different content areas or grade levels, they find, oh, I don't know if I like math as much as I do. Maybe I want to explore a different grade level, or maybe I love math so much, but ugh, working with these kids is a little tough. So I think I just might do math and be a statistician. So sometimes they switch like that. So they find it's not, I don't know if it's burnout per se, but maybe they find it's not the exact right fit. It's a similar puzzle piece, Mm -hmm. but to a different puzzle, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I got to use that somewhere. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's interesting, um, I was talking about this with somebody and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who it was with. Um, and I can't even remember if it was during an episode or not, but <laughs> so I many said, questions. <laughs> right, right. So many convers so many amazing conversations. But um one thing that I that I said one time is I'm I'm really kind of in hindsight, I'm really grateful for my burnout. Mm. Because what I think it is, is it's a call for change in some area of your life. And where it becomes, you know, that stigmatized negative level of burnout, what I call level zero, 
you know, where you are isolated, you are negative, you are doing nothing, like you're sitting stagnant in this, is where your your spirit, your heart, your belief, the universe, whatever it is in you has been calling for a change, for growth in some way. And you've been like, I don't have time. I'm too busy. That sounds stupid. That would never Mm -hmm. work. You know, those negative things that we say to ourselves, right? That negative self-talk, those agents of same that keep us where we are. I think that we can reframe our belief that, you know, burnout is this negative thing that happens when you are, are just done with something. Like you just can't do it anymore. I think instead, maybe we could flip that and say, gosh, you know, I'm going through, I, I have a need for change and growth. And I like that. And it's time for me to do something different. That doesn't mean quitting teaching. That doesn't mean maybe becoming a statistician instead of a math teacher, but maybe it does. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's just a way for you to just explore your opportunities in this one life. So I'm so glad that you shared that because it's not a bad thing to change and grow. And that's what I really truly believe that burnout can do for us, especially if you recognize it early and you give it the attention and have the courage to acknowledge it the way, the way that we, that we can and use it as a positive, you know, for change in our lives. I think whenever you talked about burnout also for a, for a future teacher, I think that can also look like overcommitment mm-hmm. in social aspects and clubs and organizations because you have your, your coursework and then you also have other things on top of that. So you feel like you have to be the president of this and the vice president of that and the secretary of this club and the officer of that club. And you feel like you have to do it all to build that resume so you stand out from other candidates. Mm-hmm. But And I think also as new teachers, we want to do all the things. I'll do that committee and I'll do that committee and Mm -hmm. I'll plan this dance. But I think it's really important to be intentional with your time and intentional intentional with your strengths and where you can commit to be the Mm -hmm. best that you can be for that specific Mm -hmm. club, organization, committee, or whatever it might be and not spread yourself too thin. I think burnout can look like that as well, where it begins to all kind of crumble at the same time. Right. Right. And that's what I would call burned it unbalanced where you have Mm -hmm, all of these responsibilities or, you know, it's funny that you mentioned this, Sam, because you were talking about how I'm going to do Emerald City and I'm going to feeling like everything has to be over the top and hashtag Instagram worthy and Pinterest worthy. (laughs) You know, like we put that pressure on ourselves and that's a whole different level um, or a whole different type of burnout that has to be dealt with in a different way of saying, what are my true core values and what do I need to continue to say yes to what truly brings me joy and what do I need to start saying no to Mm -hmm. what doesn't bring me joy or it used to bring me joy. And again, really acknowledging I've changed in this area. I used to really enjoy this. No, not so much, Mm -hmm. you know, or I didn't used to have kids. Now I have four. I can't (laughs) juggle all of this stuff and that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad teacher. Um, It just means that you need to, um, to change some of your responsibilities mm-hmm. and have the courage to say no. Yes. And as, yes, <laughs> I just said, yes, like, and I was going to say, it's saying hard and saying no is hard. Yeah. It really is. Especially as a teacher, I think most of us are people pleasers. We want to make people, we want to have the people in our life happy and we want to be able to do the best that we can. And saying no is hard, but I love how you said we want to look and see what's bringing us joy in our life. And what do we want to continue to say yes new, to, yes to, and what we can say no to. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean we have to say no to that forever. Right. Maybe it's just now in a season, we're all in different season of our, seasons of our lives and we need to respect that and prioritize that. 
I love it. Love it so much. So tell us a little bit about your book before we sign off here. Oh, hey, yeah. This was such a great conversation, by the way. This was so much fun. Great going back and forth. Thank you. I've enjoyed it too. Yeah. So I have a book called Edgy Magic, A Guide for Pre-Service Teachers, and it's written for that aspiring teacher in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it does, it helps uh, future teachers or ed majors think about their college career from the other side of the of the desk. So thinking of it from the teacher perspective and the book walks you through how to crush your college career and lead you right into student teaching mm. to be the best student teacher that your students can that your students deserve. I'm also uh, the co-author of Magic Shine On, a guide for new teachers, which is just for those beginning career teachers, newbies, first years. Um, And it walks through is a very realistic look at that first year of teaching. Um, Not every day, like we said, is going to be sunshine and roses, but we do walk through expectations of yourself as a teacher, a leader, and a learner. We walk through disappointments because that's going to happen as a teacher. Mm -hmm. We walk through through professional development and how to um, inspire yourself to be the best teacher that you can be through owning your professional development. And then there's other things within there as well. Um, Shout out to the co-authors, Hannah Turk, Katie Gibson, and Hannah Sansom. So they're fantastic. I really, I really enjoy impacting those aspiring teachers all the way up through that first year educator. Oh, I think that's so awesome that you can also share how you, you know, transitioned that ed tech, you know, into your classroom, even accidentally by finding that yeah. smart board. But then, I mean, you can truly attest and speak to just taking some risk and trying some new things and being brave enough to get connected and, and it, all of the yeah. things. So we're going to definitely have a link to that book um, in the show notes. Thank you. So you're so welcome. So Sam, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today before we uh, sign off? Uh, just one more thing. If if uh, if you're feeling discouraged or disconnected in some way, and you need that teacher, you need a teacher community and a teacher. Um, you need to find your people. So get connected. Find um, hashtags that are going to help feed your teacher soul. Listen to the podcasts on um, the Education Podcast Network. They're all out there to help support and and raise you up when you need it. So yeah, in so many you. different ways. So speaking of getting connected, <laughs> how how can people get connected to you? Oh, I'd be happy to share. Yeah, so I'm over on Twitter and Instagram at sfesich. That's S-F-E-C-I-C-H. And you can find me over on my site, sfesich.com. Keep it simple. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I cannot wait to share this episode with everybody. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of Burned In Teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the burned in teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on.